You're listening to Soul School with Laura Coe and Kevin Kaiser. On this show, we dive into life's biggest questions. Who are we? What are we here to do? And how can we fearlessly live as our truest, deepest selves? Soul School is the spiritual education you never received. So if you're ready, join us as we explore together. Soul School is in session. Welcome back, uh, fellow Soul Schoolers. I'm Kevin Kaiser. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Laura. Laura, what's up? Hello, hello, Kevin. How's it going today? Uh, fantastic. Um, and we have a wonderful, a wonderful topic that we're diving into today. And I'm going to tee it up for us. And then Laura, you're going to take the, uh, you're going to take the jump off the high dive. We'll see if it's going to be a swan dive or a cannonball, because this is a really <laughs> fun topic. Um, I'll try not to cannonball. Although cannonballs are nice, you know, lots of cannonballs are fun. But here it is. So uh, on this path, on this path of spiritual growth or spiritual awakening, we were talking about this earlier before we got on the show, because we both coach people and we have a lot of these conversations and there's a recurring theme. And this theme is um, I'm on this path of spiritual growth and life is not happening. It's not manifesting in the way that it should so there's this kind of perspective or notion that, well, once I'm on this path, first of all, things become effortless and not just effortless, but, but life matches some prescribed vision that I have of what the spiritual life should look like. And this creates um, friction within us and within our lives. And so that's what we're talking about today. And we're going to start, Laura, with your perspective, because you're, you're mentioning how you were just having this conversation with somebody. So when yeah. do you even start with this? Oh my God, it's such a big one. We might have to do more than one episode, but I, I feel like this comes up again and again and again and again for people, right? It's not just this yeah. sort of like get it, move on, but it's this sort of ever- complex area to investigate as you go through this process. Because I think, I fully believe that people who engage in a life of passion, authenticity, spirituality, feel that they're going to get to a moment where they're happy consistently mm -hmm. forever, always. And what I think that means to them is that I'm not going to have friction or pain or displeasure or anger. I went through a long phase where I was like stuffing anger down, trying to be like so <laughs> spiritual, you know, and it's like, that's not it. Right. So what does it mean when you are confronted with these layers of letting go in the spiritual path, allowing yourself to, um, I don't know, not go after life with this vigor where you're aggressively chasing after outcome, after outcome, after outcome. Like you sort of, it's not that hard to convince people who have done it. Happiness isn't there, right? Like I'm not going to um, spend years and years and years of my life arguing with people about, you know, did that last business you sold or the kids that you've had or whatever it is ultimate lead to that penultimate moment where you're like top of the mountain feeling. And we've talked about that before. So if it's not that, then then what is it, right? And there's this confusion, I think, for a lot of people, including myself. If I'm not going after it, I don't want to, though, 
sit back and do nothing. I don't want to give up. I don't want to just drink martinis, although that's fun sometimes. <laughs> but I want to figure out how to think about this idea of going after it in life, surrendering, and then dealing with what's coming up without feeling, I think, shame that I shouldn't feel the way I'm feeling in this moment because now I'm on the spiritual path of enlightenment or whatever you want to call it, authenticity, um, joy. And I, I, I should feel uh, mostly good all the time. Right. And I think right. in there becomes this really difficult phase. So I thought we could sort of chat about that a little bit, you know, um, and mm -hmm. I'll kick it off this one way. And, you know, Kevin, I feel like we could just talk about it as, uh, as a conversation, because it's so, so meaningful for you, for me, for our clients. But, you know, if I'm not gunning and like pulling life towards me, right? With this aggression, like I'm going to make it happen in my life, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're looking for sustained peace within yourself, that won't get you there. So if you've gotten over that goal, then what do you do next, right? I don't want to become lazy, unproductive, not a part of culture. And so you start to sit back, but then you say to yourself, well, I guess I shouldn't feel anything. So my solution has been, it's not that at all. It's that um, in the moment of life, in in our life, right? Life is happening every day. And this idea of presence, right? Presence. Mm -hmm. The past is over. The future isn't here yet. So I have this moment with you on this podcast, talking to a dear friend, sharing these ideas with the world that we love. In this moment, right? What if I were to let it happen as it's happening and be okay with it regardless of how it happens? And that in that sentence to me is the like tricky piece because it's like, what does it mean to be okay with it? I don't mean no feelings, right? So say Kevin now gets up and screams at me and walks out in a like a rage. It's an unpleasant experience, right? I might feel hurt. I might feel mm -hmm. some pain. I might feel discomfort, but I'm not going to argue with the reality of my life. It shouldn't have happened that, you know, this experience should go a certain way as we're podcasting. Uh, the easier example, Wi-Fi goes out, there's a tornado, right? Like things happen where you and I maybe in this moment can't continue. And this exchange with oneself that starts to wonder, why is this happening? Um, why didn't it happen the way that I perceived it to happen? And by that, we mean, how come the next moments in our days, right? Months, weeks, mm -hmm. years, aren't moving in the way we had anticipated it. And and that I do that with no feeling. I mean, it's yeah. it's an impossible paradigm to find any kind of peace in. So that's kind of like my kickoff to you is just, you know, once you've let go of the chase, you know, mm -hmm. the next project I do, the next house I sell, the next big thing I do, I will feel happy. When you realize that's not going to get you there and you start to live more in the moment, you surrender in the moments, 
it's like, wait, but am I, am I living even like, am I even like, I'm doing mm-hmm. nothing right. The secondary egoic response comes up and that's not the answer either. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to do nothing, but there's this process of learning how to be in presence and navigating moment by moment. Yeah. I love that. And, and there's so many, there's so many thoughts and images in my head as you're talking, I'm trying to figure out, okay, which one, which one do I start with? Cause as you were talking, <clears throat> I had this image of like, everybody's got a phone and their phone is a camera, right? So imagine you have this beautiful Vista and you, you hold up your phone and you're, you're transfixed on the screen, like framing the shot but you're never going to get the entire vista you can only get fit what's within the frame yeah right because the the word that you said earlier about paradigm i think it all comes down to paradigm or the frame like is it the mind's frame of life or is it the soul's frame of life because like the mind's frame the mind's motivation and desire is to create comfort and a sense of uh, happiness through achievement, you know, all of the things that you mentioned. <clears throat> and so it's going to view life through like this lens of this really narrow lens, kind of like look at it in my phone. Like I only see part of it. I don't see the whole thing, you know, and it's how is life giving me what I think I want in order to, you know, make me feel fulfilled, feel this momentary happiness where for my comfort, Whereas the soul's goal is not comfort. Uh, From my perspective, the soul's goal is like this more expansive view, like 360 view. Um, And it's all about growth. It's all about experience. And ultimately it's about freedom too, you know, which, so the mind is like trying to escape from discomfort. And from the soul's perspective, it's like, no, the discomfort is showing you where you're not free. So that, you know, like you're using your emotions as like a truth detector to, to see what's getting triggered. Right. Cause it's like that old saying about the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's the pit, getting you triggered and pissed off that is actually showing you ultimately where you're not free. And that feels like the shift and it's a it's a it's a simple shift but not an easy one because once you start viewing life like what's happening as um you know there's that whole thing of life is happening for me not to me yeah i used to throw up in my mouth a little bit every time i heard that because i was like oh that's so woo woo totally but, but it's tr- kind of true because life Very. is just perfectly reflecting back to me um, my frame, whether I believe I'm a victim or I'm powerless or I'm powerful, life is reflecting it back to me. And so it seems like that's the key is first of all, seeing the paradigm that I'm using to like the frame or picture frame I'm using to look at life through and then switching the frame to one of no life actually is the purpose of life is my freedom and growth, not my comfort. Although comfort's nice. I like comfort. I like comfort too. Exactly. But that's right. I mean, I, I love this idea of a frame, right? In the Vista, because, you know, there's this massive Vista and meanwhile, your phone can only 
take in the part that it's focused in on, right? And so where are you focusing in on? And then this broader perspective of like, um, the world is happening. The world mm-hmm. is happening. And I am part of it. And it's not happening to me, as you said. It's happening sort of for me in the sense that the frame that I'm using to look tells me about myself, mm-hmm. but it's actually just happening with no frame, right? The reality yeah. is life is just happening and we are perceptive beings that are framing it all day long, mm-hmm. right? And so the for me yeah. part is like, oh, this happened at the grocery store. The person was rude. Hmm. The way that I frame life is it's rude to me, right? Or Somebody mm-hmm. else might say, oh, it's rude. I need to speak up for myself. I'm not going to be treated that way. So we're constantly framing life, but the reality is, is it's just happening. And so Michael Singer has this great podcast. I love him. He's so, so profound. And, you know, what he was talking about was this idea that you walk down the street nature's happening. The leaves are falling, right? It's fall. It's like the leaves are just falling whatever. Everything's happening until you get caught by something, right? Something Mm -hmm. ends up to your point in your frame. All of a sudden something shouldn't be happening. Why, Kevin? And this is the part Mm -hmm. where you really learn surrender, right? That's what Michael's all about. If you think that something shouldn't be happening, shouldn't be happening according to who? Me? Who am I? The trees, Mm -hmm. leaves are falling. The dude who is rude at the grocery store is rude. The parent that has treated you poorly your whole life treated you poorly. These things are happening. It doesn't mean I like it. So that's what I was saying, right? Like it's okay that you're, you go outside in the middle of winter, you're going to be cold. Somebody is really hurtful to you. You will be hurt, right? It's okay that the experience is Mm -hmm. happening, but it's not happening to me and the frame with which I choose to see it isn't necessarily true. That's the reflective part where you can learn. Life is, it just is. And we place ourselves narcissistically, egocentrically in the center and say, all of this that's happening is like about me, right? Oh my God, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen or what happened in the past wasn't the way I wanted it. Well, who are you to decide what should or shouldn't happen, right? So I think all we have is that framing, learning, growing, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing how are you reacting? What is hooking you is where you have another spot to heal, grow, learn from the soul level. Mm -hmm. We're here to grow and learn. And, um, get back to being in a space where you can have neutrality because we have we have neutrality we can spend time being neutral and then somebody says or does something and boom right not according to me that shouldn't have happened or i'm upset with it because it interferes with the way i see it mm-hmm. but who are you yeah. yeah so that's the point of surrender i'll stop here but it's the point of surrender right surrender does not mean giving up it does not mean quitting. It does not mean sitting still. It means I accept. I accept it. I see it. I accept it. I surrender to the idea that I am not bigger than everything that's going to happen and unfold in a day. 
it, yeah. it's just you have to at some point recognize your limitations. That's to me the the truth of of surrender. Yeah. I love that. And as you were talking, this um sort of idea came up in me around how the, the language, the language of of reality is paradox. And especially in like spirituality, because two things can be true at the same time. And this came like I realized this as you were talking. It's like, oh, well, life happens to me and for me. They're not mutually exclusive. Both can be true at the same time because I didn't, I have no control over the weather. I have no control over all of the myriad things that brought that guy to the grocery store. You know, in that moment when he ran into me with this car, like, so life, it like the flow of life, it like we're just in it. In a sense, it is happening to us, but also for us, because there's this, how we meet it is, is of, is of great importance, right? Like it's our, our responsibility, which like, I view that simply as our ability to respond to life responsibility. You can even just say it's respond ability if you want. And like, in it's kind of like there are two things, two ways. There's like, yes, this happened, but it shouldn't have happened this way. But you could just as easily replace that with yes and yes, this happened, and I can I can choose how I view this. That's which right. it, that that is it's like active surrender, right? Because it, it is this sort of empowered, you know, empowered view of responsibility and showing up and being in cooperation with life versus fighting it or complaining about it, which like is the default, like that is the default mode for the mind. It just is right. Like it's not our fault. It's part of being human. And um, until you, until you realize it and decide, Oh, I'm not actually going to be driven by the conditioning. I'm going to take responsibility for it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And active right in my own life. Yeah. Michael goes further to say like, laugh, just laugh. Like, look at me responding to life the way that I am. It's funny. I mean, right. It's like, why am I so bent out of shape about some dude who I don't even know? (laughs) I love how we're picking on some random guy who we don't even know, but there's some guy at the, the grocery store who, you know, had a bad day or whatever's going on with him in that in some way that has anything to do with me. And now I'm having this massive reaction. If you can lighten up and go, oh my God, look at me having such a massive reaction to something that is objectively neutral. And then people say to me, yeah, but Laura, it's not that neutral when I'm at work. Um, And say your boss has a bunch of things that needs to get done, but the expectations are ridiculous. The timeframes are impossible. Everybody's in a bad mood. It's like, you're right. I mean, I'm not saying to enjoy it. I'm just saying that is life happening. And so Mm -hmm. are you going to change the culture of your work environment? Do you have the um, authority? Mm -hmm. Do you have the ability do you actually have the solution? And if those things aren't true, right? I have a solution and I have the authority to make a change. Then it's like watching it rain outside. You know, you just yeah. are sitting in the rain and then you have decisions to make. Do you want to stay there? Do you want to do something else? Whatever. Or 
And, and most important, let me sit with the discomfort of my feelings. I'm not happy here. Right. And so one thing I think about a lot, Kevin, with my clients is these sort of, um, obsessive controlling behavior around what is happening. It keeps us from having to face that we're not okay with the situation we're in. That is not authentic. It is not truthful. It is not what we want because then we have to make a change. So if I am obsessively trying to fix, solve, um, complain, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm actively engaging with the situation to get some to control over it because it shouldn't be the way that it is because it's not serving me. <laughs> There's yeah. a big conversation that I'm not having, which is I'm helpless in this moment that feels terrible to me. I really don't have options. So now I have to explore what am I going to do if this job or this marriage or whatever isn't working for you anymore? And can you start to deal with the emotions that arise within you and get to what's true for you? I mean, maybe this it's time to make a change, right? Maybe yeah. it's time to grow and heal in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And we've both, I'll only speak for myself, but I know this is, this is true for both of us, but we've both been through those experiences through work relationships where the stuff gets really crunchy and you know so i i've gotten really triggered upset depressed um especially around work things <clears throat> but i can see that that all of those circumstances um were simply revealing in me stories that i had about myself really Right. Because take, for example, like the 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 thing with work. Right. This is way too much. It's unrealistic expectations. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm a, um, I'm being used. I'm a victim. And if you dig far enough, you'll actually find that the like it's something that's inside of you. This is what I found for me. Like there's actually nothing wrong with reality reality is just happening. Like these circumstances are just what is. Um, it's the story that I wrap that around, the story I wrap around what's happening that causes me all of my suffering. Because I've been in situations where, like a work situation where I thought, this is unreasonable, this is stupid. Um, where the person next to me was thriving. They're like, oh, this is like, I get off on this kind of stuff. It's impossible. Um, you know, I like, you know, this hardcore, like, you know, him basically beating us into, you know, into action. It's like, so two, like two people, exact same circumstances, one's in heaven, one's in hell. That's right. The that's only right. difference is how they view themselves within it. Um, but Kevin, that's you know, the big, it, that's the big thing, right? I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, what does it say about me is the next layer, right? When you pause yeah. and you say, well, I'm in this environment and I really don't like it. So I'm going to keep trying. Why? Because I need the approval. Why? Because if I don't, right. it's questioning my worthiness. Why? Because I won't be loved. It always gets down to this one conversation around worthiness and love, right? Like if yeah. I'm honest that this is not for me, then I'm weaker. Okay. What does it mean you're weaker? Not lovable. What does it mean that you're not excited to move forward with this. Well, something's wrong with me. What's wrong with you? I'm not lovable, right? Like everything gets to this right. core quality and it's like, but you are love. So love can't, 
not be lovable when it's already an expression, right? It, yeah. it doesn't have um, a, a high and a low if it's energy, yeah. but that's where people end up. And it's, it's really tragic because it is just happening. Life is just happening. And you and I talk about these things offline all the time, right? There's, um, there's no end to the way in which the mind responds to life when it's not presenting exactly the way we want it to. It's just your decision to be open to the emotions that are arising and recognize them as either this is in fact uncomfortable. It's not a me thing per se. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't think most people like being screamed at, for example, but um, that's it. Or I, this job situation, I actually don't like it anymore. Okay. That's all it is. Make a decision. Want to go, want to not. The secondary part of like framing it all to your point, you know, like where we frame it is then this conversation about what it means about us, our worthiness, our lovability, who we are. And so when you surrender, when you let go, when you go, you know what, the world is just happening. And anytime I'm getting triggered or upset, that's for me to like grow, heal, learn so that I can walk freely in the world and let things happen and accept mm-hmm. the pain, accept the helplessness, accept the love, accept the joy, like be just part of the experience. Yeah. How do you do that when it's happening? How? Like in the in the mid like in the heat of like the trigger in the heat of what's happening. Are you yeah. like how does somebody stay aware and like pull the phone away from their face so that they can see the vista behind it? For me. And the way I teach it to others, um, I have a simple rule. If my body is on fire or even a small fire, if there's a small flame, meaning if I'm having a physiological response, I have Mm -hmm. to pause. Nothing, nothing, nothing good is going to come from the next second. And so when we're getting started in the spiritual process, like recognizing my thoughts maybe aren't as important as I think they are. When you can start to say, okay, I know my thoughts mislead me all the time. I know my emotional state is here to help educate me around what's needing to be healed. Then there's no shame or judgment or bypassing, right? It's very important. When I stub my toe on a table, I go get ice. I do not pause. I do not say, oh, it's not really happening, right? I mean, if you kick it for real, right? So it's like respecting your emotional life as the um, mirror and the reservoir of knowledge and truth. If you really, really believe that, I do, then every time something starts arising, you pay attention. And the quicker you catch it, the less time it takes to recover because the chemicals get released, right? So when you get really pissed or upset or whatever, then you get all of these chemicals and you're bathing it and it's so you're flooded, right? You have this entire ecosystem of cortisol, all this stuff happens. And so if all that's happened, take a little more time. So for me, there's something that I need to do in my life. Um, I was talking to you about this trip to Bali. It's caused me a certain amount of tension in my body. So I can't make a decision until 
I take the time to research what is this? Why is it happening? What is it? What am I telling myself? What do I believe to be true in this moment? And maybe exercising, maybe taking a walk, maybe talking to friends, but you need some systems to honor that this is happening because it will not be truth. It will not be truth. If you're coming from chemicals, flooded state, brain states, it's not your truth. So then that red, yellow, green episode we did, I just wait until all of that stuff is at bay and I can find that feeling of yes or no within me, the real truth. And until then, I'm not going to make a decision or speak you know, to somebody if there's a conflict and I'm filled with all sorts of rage or upset or hurt or whatever, it's like, I can share that. I can share that. That can work really well. Um, I'm filled with fear right now. It's very hard for me to have this discussion with you. If you have a friend who's or a partner who's open to that and you can sit with it, that can be healing. But the conversation that led to it, you can't get there until you've recognized what's happening. So f- for me, that's that's the the the, the effort. I, I don't know why we struggle with it so much, Kevin, because Again, if I broke my toe, I'd ice it, then I'd go to the doctor, then I would get an x-ray, then I would get a boot. I'd go through every step as inconvenient as it is because I trust and understand that I have to. Like I have to, my toe's broken, right? I I cannot just go for a marathon. We, We are broken emotionally and we are constantly just racing through life, wondering why everything feels terrible. Well, if you've got any stuff happening in your body, Whatever is going on in your life, you've got something to look at, right? Like go to the toe doctor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and that's maybe been one of the um the greatest lessons that, that I've so I'm still learning. And especially then this started a few years ago. First of all, like this, I realized that I was taught really not to trust myself. Right. And I think this is a cultural thing where we like everything is built on to looking to outside authorities to tell us what to do next, right? Whether that's government, education, spirituality, right? Looking for a guru or a teacher or a book. So first of all, it was like learning to trust my own self, like my embodied self that my, I can trust what my body is trying to tell me. And I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't fluent at all in the language of my own emotional self and my own physiological self. And at least I know for men, that's like, that's one place that because I do a lot of work with men is, is starting with that is healing the disconnection with that like, direct emotional self-connection, because in a lot of ways, the body more so than the mind is a, is a truth machine. Um, like whenever I get triggered, there's a reason why I'm getting triggered. I may not intellectually know, but something's happening. And like the most, the most important lesson I've learned is, okay, we'll get really curious about that. That's right. Don't, don't try to make it other than what it is. Like, accept it. Here's what's happening. And what story, like the way I go into it is what story am I telling myself about this thing that has happened? Because it's revealing something in me and it may take a little while and it may take some digging to put some language to it, but I mean, you just have to go easy on yourself. This isn't, most of us don't learn these things until we come into our own 
right? Like spiritual renaissance or emotional renaissance. And we've got decades of doing it the other way. And so we just think, well, we're just automatically going to know how to do this overnight. No, like it's, this is like, this is practice. Every single thing that's happening in your life is an opportunity to practice and see and grow and actually live in truth, which is, I guess, the ultimate goal anyway, just to be yourself totally and freely. Yeah. You, you brought up so many important things, Kevin, like, you know, we're not taught. I spent until I was 40 going into my mind, looking for my truth. I saw you when you said Mm -hmm. truth to the audience, he was holding his chest, right? Truth is inside of you. And so to get there is a new practice. It's a new learning. It takes time. And then that word you used curiosity, right? It's, you have to be curious, but it's hard to be curious when we've been trained to think that what's happening within us is shameful. So then there's this whole process of like, well, what's wrong with me that I'm having these feelings? Nothing, nothing, nothing. right? It's perfectly beautiful to have every feeling under the sun, except blame, right? The only one that you want to not do, we're all so busy doing is all of these things in life that are happening, um, I'm blaming them for the experience I'm having. And to sort of full circle the conversation, when you can stop doing that and you can start to say, to Kevin's point, think of like this big vista, this big horizon, and you're taking your phone and you're just looking at a piece, right? If you're just looking at that piece, psychologically, the world is happening and you're framing your life as the victim, as the villain, as fill in the blank, right? The endless pleaser. So as life is happening, stay curious about yourself and see if you can remove that camera for a minute, take in life in its totality, recognize that we're souls, we're not brains walking around who need to see it through this small lens and surrender, let it be okay. Even if I feel pain about it, it's still not wrong, but you can't do that work. Like the first step is owning every single one of us has this camera. You have one, I have one, everyone has one. I don't care how enlightened you are. You have a leaning towards some kind of psychologically strange pattern that you developed maybe over 20 lifetimes, maybe in this life, I don't know, but, um, but you have to own it. Right. And Oh, look at me. It's so interesting. I'm doing that thing I always do where I blame traffic or I can't take responsibility or I'm yeah. hurt all the time or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 Cause everybody, even if it's the same, if everybody's camera is looking at the same thing, we all have our own little image filters that we put on it too. So totally. it can be even the same image filtered a different way. So, um, as you were talking, it, this reminded me of one thing, and um, and we'll close on this. Uh, we did a show about relationships and intimacy, and we talked about how intimacy is the the compound interest of consistent, courageous connection, and that the secret to it is hidden in the word in intimacy, into me see. And as you were talking, I was thinking about that and how it's our willingness to fully see ourselves first. Because we think of intimacy just as like between us and other people, but there is this deep, sacred intimacy with ourselves. And that's the well from which we can draw to create connection and intimacy with other people. But just like you said just a few minutes ago, that you have to be willing to see that 
fully to know it without judgment so that you can then turn it around. And that's going to create uh, a deeper, more truthful connection with others and the world and what's happening in life. So um, I it's love a beautiful it. journey. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is this has been the best conversation I've had all day. Absolutely. Always the best. Thank you, Kevin, for sharing, for everybody listening. It's a big one today from surrender to uh, trusting your voice to the thoughts in your head. But hopefully um, through us sharing our experiences with our clients, with ourselves, um, maybe today take a little space to see if you can get curious, even if you've been doing it for decades. I always find I can even find a little more curiosity around something new. So thank you, Kevin, for sharing this time with me. That was just, this was fun. Peace to everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. And I really hope that you consider checking out the Little Soul School, littlesoul.school, where there's a community of people dedicated to soul growth, soul learning, and the Akashic energy, a space that holds all of our soul's histories, everything we've ever done in all of our lifetimes because they're looking for a deeper connection to themselves, a place to experiment and play with spirituality in a non-judgmental, vulnerable, open community of people. No woo-woo, no fluff, just fun and connection. Come check it out, littlesoul.school.